trust you're well. Hey? Yes. Did you all have a good day today? Yes. I ran 5Ks this morning. We did a trail run, which was very cool, very hot. And um, I almost got beaten by someone that did a 12K. I only did 5Ks. <laughs> but hey, I beat them, so it's fun. <laughs> I almost got beaten by someone that did 20Ks, but then I won't go into that. But anyway, so... As you read tonight, is something we, we're concluding the journey. We're not stopping the journey, but we're concluding the series that we're on. And I was going to go and start speaking on silence and solitude and that type of stuff, but I, I really felt, as I was praying this week, that God said, stop the series on this topic. And the topic is untapping the wells. We all, as we know, spiritual formation, we are going through a journey with God and you know, for the sake of others. But if our wells are stopped up, how can we go forward? We need the wells to be unblocked, and we need the, the Holy Spirit to gush out of us to go into the world. Am I right? So tonight we're going to have a quick chat about that. Um, David Corson says this, and I actually I read this this afternoon, and I think it's really cool. It says, The Bible is history, not legend. And the stories are there to encourage faith, not merely to repeat folklore. All that is written in the Bible is for our benefit and for our learning. It means everything. It means from Genesis right through to Revelation. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. How cool is that? This is not a boring book that we have to read because we are a Christian. This is a book that is full of life. It is a book that encourages us. It is a book, the words in here give us hope. And that's what I want to speak on tonight. If we look at Genesis, and we're going to look at the story of Isaac. And Isaac, obviously his father was Abraham, and I'm going to give you a little bit of history. So Abraham, when he was in the land, he dug wells. Why do they need wells? Well, they need wells for fresh water to feed their, you know, to water the sheep, to water crops, for drinking water. But what happened was is the Philistines, when Abraham died, came and blocked up all of those wells. They were shut. And as we know, Abraham moved around, and, and when Isaac came back into the land, he felt God say, open up the wells again. And this is what happens in Genesis 26, verse 18. It says, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But the herders of Gerar quarreled with those of Isaac and said, The water is ours. So he named the well Isaac, because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, and he named it, and he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over that. And he named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. So a generation had died. Abraham had died. And it's almost like the enemy said, Right, Abraham's gone. Let's stop up the wells so the blessing cannot go any, any further. What did God call Isaac to do? He says, Go and reopen up the wells that your father had dug. But here's the thing, is that while he was reopening those wells, he found fresh wells. 
so often, and I mean, I asked even during worship, I said, what were some of the words? So the church that was here before this was, was Lionsgate, but that was, the one before was Reboth. What does Reboth mean? Room. Space. Flourishing. Hey? And I asked Stephen, so what were some of the words that were spoken over? Because when we go and we open up the wells of the previous generation, there's love. So some of the words were alatas. What has been spoken over KCR? That we're alatas. That there's a place where people will come, almost like a hospital where people will come and it'll be restored. What has been spoken over KCR? That we're a military base camp where people will come and it'll be restored so that they can go out and bring more people in. You see, the words that are spoken over just because it was a different church doesn't mean that they don't apply to us today. And because they were spoken over them, I'm going to say, I'm going to grab those words. I'm going to say, prophetically, we want to be a lighthouse. We want people to come. We want people to see it on the hill. We want people to come, and we want people to be restored. But there's new wells to dig. And as we open up the old wells, there's new wells that some people will dig. And guess what happens when new wells are dug? Fighting. Quarreling. Disputes. And if we look at the next slide, and actually, I want to just... Those, those three names, Essek means dispute, Sitna means opposition, and obviously Reboth means room and space flourishing. So whenever we dig fresh wells, there's always going to be opposition. Not there may be, there will always be opposition. And something that we have felt as an eldership over the last three weeks is that there has been opposition. There really has been. I mean, tonight is a good turnout for the evening service, but the last two evening services have been the worst since we started. And before that, the preach was spoken or was on the revival. That revival is coming, that we need to be doing these things. Why? Because God wants us to go out, and all of a sudden, then he was like, oh, 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 I'm going to make your lives a misery. And all of a sudden, there's been dispute. There's been opposition. There's been despondency that has come into our hearts. But as I was reading this, I just thought, God, there's freshness. There's so much more that you want to do with this church. There's so much more that you want to do with this evening service or whatever, however God wants to do things. He says, but we need to tap into that well. So redigging or reopening well has a twofold thing. It means, number one, to search or explore. And the other one is to redig. So Isaac's men had to go and search and explore for the old wells. We, as people, have to search and explore for the wells that God has already dug in this place. And then as we're doing that, fresh water comes. The Philistines would have thrown rocks and carcasses and all sorts of stuff to stop up that well. And Isaac's men would have had to get in there and just get dirty to reopen it. And sometimes advancing the kingdom means getting dirty for God. It means getting stuck in. It means standing and the knee is full of muck and just pulling it out. Why? Because God wants freshness. God wants the wells to be overflowing. He wants the wells to be able to feed. Now, here's the thing. Significant things happened at wells in the Bible. Isaac found Rebecca. Well, his servant found Rebecca at a well. Hey? Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Where, were they, where did they meet? At the well. The well of salvation. 
Isaiah speaks of the well of salvation in, in Isaiah 12. David's men fought through the Philistine garrison to go to the well to get water to take back to David. Significant things happens at wells. Wells bring freshness. Wells bring life. And now my challenge, so we prepared to dig those wells. We be prepared to dig the old wells and make them open again. And then are we prepared to dig fresh wells? Because that takes, that's tough. And it's very, very difficult to do. But if we do it together as a community, guess what? It makes it much easier. The guys have been going up to Lesotho and they've been building a church. But it hasn't been one person going up and trying to do it by himself. It's been a whole lot of people that have gone up and they've, they've, they've sweated and they've toiled and they've labored and they've dug foundations and they've built walls and they've, just, they've done everything. They've painted and they've just got stuck in. And I believe God's challenge to you here is, are you willing to be stuck in to this church? Are you willing to get stuck in and allow God's freshness to come? We've gone on this whole journey of spiritual formations. Like we know that God is transforming us to the image of Christ for the sake of others. But now as the nitty-gritty says, will you get dirty? Will you come? And will, as that, that person walks through the door that is unlovable, would you be the first one to run up them and put your arms around them and love them? Or if there's someone that is really in need, will you push everything aside to go to that person? Jesus did. We're called to be in the image of Christ. Are we willing to? We've got a wonderful social ministry through this church in Domino. So it's not up to the ladies just to make sandwiches. Are we as a church willing to be praying for them, getting on our knees and saying, God, how do we as a church, more so from not making sandwiches, or how do I as an individual help from a social responsibility perspective? Because God has called us to be corporate, but he's called us to be social. We have a social responsibility deep within our hearts because God says, the poor you will always have with you, and he loves the poor. He loves them. Do we? Sometimes when you're digging a new world, there can be, as I said, this huge opposition. But it can happen. It must be considered as part of the price that you pay as a well digger. Think of when they're drilling for oil. Sometimes it takes years to hit that oil field. I don't believe God is giving us years. I believe it's very, very imminent that the well is going to start that the oil or the water is going to start bubbling and it's just going to be a gushing forward. Have you seen the picture of when oil gushes out of the earth? Hey? It covers miles. Are we prepared for the well of the Holy Spirit to gush out of the well that we're digging so that it can cover miles? Are we prepared to be in that stream so that we are shot out miles away? to bring in the lost. Because remember, it's not about saying, hey, that's a great water fountain that you've got in your church there. You know? It's very pretty. You know? There seems to be a lot of life there. 
It's a case of, well, why don't you come and get it? Hey? It's a ride. It's like be the best carnival ride ever. So get into the fountain and be shot up. Who knows where you'll land, but it's going to be fun anyway. Hey? God knows. Isaac did not stay at the well where there was arguing. The moment that opposition arose, he said, right, we'll move from here and we'll go somewhere else. And then he dug it again and there was opposition. He said, okay, cool, let's move somewhere else. Until eventually there was room and there was freedom and there was flourishing. Too often, I think, as a church, we will try and contend for the well where there's lots and lots of opposition. And I'm not saying opposition from, from the enemy. We always contend with opposition from the enemy. Sometimes other Christians oppose us with the freshness of God. Sometimes God is saying, move on and go dig a fresh well somewhere else. Why? Because if you spend too long quarreling, you're going to miss out on everything that I have for you. And the moment that you, that you take your eyes off the quarreling and say, right, I'm going to go find the water again, all of a sudden you can be led by God to where he wants you to go. And that to me is exciting. And I think it's our natural tendency to say, well, I'm going to fight for this. There's opposition, I'm going to fight. And often God's saying, ah, ah, come, let's move. We say, no, God, I'm going to fight. Devil, I rebuke you. And God is saying, ah, ah, come, let's move. And you toil and you toil and it becomes, and all of a sudden you say, okay, God, I give up. The devil's won. He says, but the devil was never there. He says, you just weren't meant to be there. He says, you meant to be over here. Now dig the soil. Oh, the soil's soft. And you're sticking in a soft. Oh, it's lovely. Hey, man, why didn't I do this sooner? Well, God said, well, I told you five years ago to do it. And then when we dig it, then there's just this freshness that comes out. That's what God wants for us. Often, often, we toil too long at a place we're not meant to be. Sometimes there's breakthrough. But believe me, it takes a lot away from your life. But if we keep our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus, and we say, God, okay, there's opposition here. Is it right for me to be here? Or must I move on? No, I want you to move on. And eventually God's going to say, this is where you go. So the strategies that God gives this church is the strategies where he wants us to be. And it might not be like the strategies of other churches, because I believe God's got a different strategy for this church to what other churches have. Yes, we're all called to bring in the lost. How we do it is going to be different to other churches. But we need to be able to do what God wants us to do. When we, when we consider to redig the wells, we, we've got to be in a sincere place with our hearts. It's committed to getting th- rid of the things that are not of God. The enemy has plugged the wells of revival with com- compromise, sinful habits, worldly thinking, religious activities. It must be removed. Independence, discouragement, heartbreak, all needs to go. That can only go if we focus on Jesus. It's not going to go if we focus on the problem. This is where maturity comes in. We spoke, we've been speaking about spiritual maturity. God wants to move us into maturity. Maturity has been able to recognize, is this God or is this not God? 
and sometimes making a harsh decision, which is contrary to what the rest of the church believes. And there's the leadership and eldership who's saying, well, guys, we're actually not going to do this. And there's going to be opposition that will rise up. And they're not going to understand what you're doing. But then when they see the fruit later, they'll understand. But we need to be behind the leaders. We need to be behind what God is doing in this church. Once we are accomplished at reopening the old wells, God will lead us to fresh waters. It takes us reopening the old wells in order to find freshness. Some people are good at opening the old wells. Some people are good at finding new wells. Where do you play? And there's no right or wrong answer. Because God does not place more emphasis on the ones that open up fresh wells. Because the old wells are just as significant as the new wells. Because the old wells give us a foundation of which God can launch into the future. Now, I find it very significant that two words that were spoken over Reboth have been spoken over KCR. Exactly the same. We're a lighthouse. God has spoken lighthouses. There's pictures of lighthouses that have been drawn, painted during worship. We're a place where people can come and be restored. Those are the old wells that are deep, deep in the, the foundation of this church. Why? Because it's the generation that was before us, and I believe that as we move into this place permanently, amen, thank you, Lord, it's going to become part of our foundation. But there's freshness, and that's what we've got to be looking out for as well. So, as we... <clears throat> now, this goes not only from a corporate sense, but I think in a personal sense as well is that I believe that, you, well, that we've allowed the enemy to block up wells in our own lives. And as we take communion later, we're going to pray into that a little bit. But there's been things that have been spoken over your own life that the enemy has blocked up, that the enemy has put junk in and rocks and stones and dead carcasses and just, it's really horrid and putrid. And the enemy wants us to stay that way. But God wants to open up those walls. And he says, come, my son, come, my daughter. Let's do this together. It's not a case of you doing it by yourself and say, hey, good luck, Cheryl. You're on your own. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines and watch. And when you get tough, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. No, the tough get busy. God wants to unstop those walls in our lives. And just as Isaac and they had to unstop those wells. We have to unstop the wells in our life. And if you read a little bit later on in Genesis, I haven't got the scripture there, but he's making an oath with Abimelech. That's where they are. And it says there, the moment that they made the oath for prosperity in the land, the servants came back and they said, we found water. Why? Because they were doing a God covenant over that place. The servants came and said, we found water. No quarreling, no dispute. Freshness. And I believe that as we make a covenant with God, there's going to, become, there's going to come a time where all this stuff's going to come. He's just going to say, God, there's freshness. Yeah. There's newness. It's cool. There's revival in my heart. And stopping the wells mixed with prayer brings on revival. Why? Because we're getting rid of everything the enemy wants to 
put into our lives. And I'm going to pray over you later about unstopping the wells and just we'll get into that later. But there's aspects of reopening. And you can have the last slide up there, please. So the aspects of reopening a well. Number one is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now fear not as being scared, but we have a reverence and an awe for who God is and for what God can do. And that begins to unlock our minds and unlock our, just our capacity to understand what God is, who God is. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Number two, we need to take out in Ezekiel, it says God says he'll give us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. Now what does that mean? A heart of flesh means compassion, emotion. All of a sudden we open up to the emotions of God. And we're not just this, these hard people that are just staunch and rigid and not moving and not doing anything. But we have a heart after God. Not a perfect heart. No one will ever have a perfect heart except Jesus. But we have a heart after God and say, God, I want a heart of flesh that has compassion for the lost, that has compassion for the poor, people that are struggling. But I want the desires of your heart. That's it. Number three is we rekindle our first love. Revelations 2 verse 4 to 5, it says, I have this against you. You have lost your first love. And I believe God is saying, come, find me again. Find me. When you first became a Christian, all you could do was talk about Jesus. All you could do was how, how he was working in your heart and every single person you, you spoke to was just like, hey, you know what happened to me? And it's like, yes, you've told me, just stop it. Has anyone had that said to you lately? Hey? No, I, not to me. Why? Because I believe I need to rekindle some of these things in my heart again. God wants us to be like the day that we were saved every single day. There's a joy. There's a newness. There's a freshness. All of a sudden, you're running into people and you're saying, hey, guess what happened to me? And even if they say, you told me, I said, but I'm going to tell you again until you experience exactly the same thing that I experience. It's not about Bible bashing. It's about being real. It's about saying, come, I want you to meet the Jesus that saved my life. Like the woman at the well, come and meet the man who told me everything I've ever did. Yeah. It's a wonderful story. Go look at John 4, the woman at the, the Samaritan at the well. <clears throat> Number four, walking in faith and trust. We have to walk in faith. Because if we're walking by sight, we will never get further than what our eyes can see. We have to be walking in the faith that God has for us. And what is the faith that God has for us? It's way bigger than what we can see. Because I can see with my glasses, maybe to the sea. That's it. If I take off my glasses, I can see as far as my mom. That's why God gave me glasses. But God's picture is further than the horizon for us. We've got to walk in faith and we've got to walk in trust with God. We need to be led by the Spirit of grace and truth. We have to be led by the Spirit. We can't do this by ourselves. There's no way that we'll be able to find the wells, then unblock them, and then find fresh wells if we're doing this in our own strength. We have to be led by the Spirit. Remember, God 
or Jesus, when he left, he says, I'm sending you a helper. What is a helper doing? The helper is working in people's hearts. The helper is working in situations where he wants Casey out to be. We've got to be led by the Spirit to go to those situations or to go to those people. Are you willing to be led? And lastly, learn to trust God in his word. What does God say in his word? He loves you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will always provide a way out. He's gracious. He's compassionate. He's abounding in love. But he disciplines those, the ones that he loves. See, God is the perfect father. And if he's the perfect father, we need to trust him. And we need to take him at his word. So, well, God, what, what do you say in your Bible is true. I'm going to trust it. And I want to believe that when I walk through fire, I'm not going to be burned because you're with me. Or that the Lord is my shepherd, I want, I'll, I'll lack nothing. Big words, eh? When we look at this, the world that we live in today, with the fear of the coronavirus going around, God is much bigger than that. doesn't mean we need to be negligent, but it means we need to trust God and trust Him at His word. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That no matter what I lead you into personally or corporately as a church, I will always be with you, even to the end of the age. That's what He said, Matthew 28. He says, go into all the world, preaching the good news, making disciples of men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and surely I will be with you to the end of the age. Let's pray. We will take some communion. And then I'm going to end with a poem. Not that I wrote, but it's a poem anyway. <clears throat> nice one. Father God, I just, I thank you that you're a God that loves unstopping wells, that you're a God that loves to, to make things new and to make things fresh. And it's just something that you love doing in us. And Father God, I pray that if there's an area in our lives which we believe that is stopped up, Father God, as we take communion, that Father God, as we, as we think about what you did on the cross, that Father God, it's all-encompassing. It covers everything. It's not just certain little aspects, but it's everything. The blood that you shed, your body was broken. And Father God, I pray that we would submit those wells to you and say, Father God, come and help me open those wells. I want there to be fresh water. I want there to be living water that will gush out of me so that people will be affected by you. And that's what I pray for, Father God. So I wonder if we can come and take just the, the juice and the bread and just we'll do it together.
So, Father, as we take the, the bread and the, and the juice, Father God, we remember what you accomplished on the cross. And I pray, Father God, that as we, as we take this, that your body was broken for us, that, Father, that we would just un- unblock, start unblocking things, start allowing God to start working in those areas where we believe we blocked up. And just allow him to start bringing freshness into our life. Allow him to start breathing his life into those areas. So as we take the, the bread, we say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus where his body was broken on our behalf on the cross, Lord God. And Father, as we as we remember Jesus' blood that was spilt, it's almost like, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that those wells that have been blocked up, that this blood would just cover it and would stop seeping down to the foundations and almost like dynamite would just blow those wells open, Father God. That, Father God, that your blood would just cover us and would protect us, Lord Jesus. I thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross so that we could have freedom, that we could enter into the kingdom of God. And we say thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I was walking down Life's Pathway not so very long ago. And when I looked up, I saw a sign. It said, Heaven's Grocery Store. I got a little closer. The door swung wide open. The next thing I was standing there inside, I saw a host of angels that were standing everywhere. One handed me a basket and they said, my child, I shop with care. Everything a Christian needed was in this grocery store. What you couldn't carry out, you could come back the next day for more. Well, first I got some patience. Love is in the same row. Further down was understanding. You know, you need those wherever you go. I got a box or two of wisdom, a bar or two of faith. You couldn't miss the Holy Ghost. He was all over the place. I didn't forget salvation. For salvation, that was free. I wanted to get enough of that to save both you and me. There was meekness, long-suffering, and gentleness. I saw these at a glance. I knew I'd better get some. I would never have a better chance. I stopped to get some courage to help me run life's race. Then my basket was getting full, and I remembered I needed grace. And I started for the counter to pay my grocery bill, and I thought I had almost everything to do the Father's will. And I saw prayer. I just had to put that in. I knew that when I stepped outside this door, I'd run right into sin. Joy and peace were plentiful, and they were on the same shelf. Songs and praises were hanging everywhere, so I just helped myself. Then I said to the angel, how much do I really owe? He smiled and he said, take them everywhere you go. He says, but no, I said, I want to pay. How much do I really owe? He said, Jesus paid it all on Calvary a long, long time ago. Father God, we thank you that everything that we need for life and godliness is found in you. That, Father, as we've taken the bread and then we've introduced, Father God, and we've celebrated your, your death on the cross, Father God, we know that you rose again in victory where we can have access to everything. And, Father God, we just thank you for who you are and what you're going to do with us. We thank you, Father God, that you will start unstopping wells and we thank you for a freshness of your Holy Spirit 
it will just flood into this place. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just a little announcement before you go. For those of you who went here in the morning, over the next um, two weeks, we're going to have a break in the evening, um, which is during the school holidays. Then I think it's the 5th of April, we're going to have a worship evening. So please join us for the worship evening. Invite everyone. They're always wonderful times. And then the, the next is the is Easter, so we won't be having an evening service there. We'll be doing a whole lot of stuff over the weekend. So the next evening service that we'll have after the worship evening is going to be the 19th of April. And we're really just trusting as an eldership and a leadership team uh, for God's strategy, for what he wants to do with the evening service. Um, it's very good to come with our own wise words, but we actually want to see what God wants to do and uh, watch the space. It's, uh, I think it's, it'll be exciting. Um, especially if we get led by God, which is what we ultimately want to do. So, have a great week. We will see you next Sunday morning. Thank you.